seems like it's recording. Well, I don't want to um, spend too much time out here just talking because we've got an incredible guest, an incredible opportunity that I wish was around when I was going to Carolina. I graduated, graduated here in 1990, and an opportunity like this just didn't exist. So without further ado, uh, 2002 UNC alum, Saturday Night Live producer, two-time Emmy Award winner and Peabody Award winner, Lindsay Shookus. Let's bring her out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay, for doing this. I have an impulse to call you Shookus. Is that? That's what I've been called for most of my life. Is that okay? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've had a lot of nicknames too. So, you know, you have one of those great last names that you want to say. It feels good saying Shookus. Thank you. So, I like it. thank you for doing this. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, what's amazing to, to me about this is that it's, this is the Carolina connection. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's so much of this process that the two wills have been a part of, you know that have been like times where I'm like, why did I do this? Why am I back here trying to build this performance art space? And then a night like tonight happens and you're like, this maybe is why I did it, right. you know? And I thank my wife too, Beth, because she's the one who was like looked up, successful Caroline. Did you hear that, Beth? Did you hear that, Beth? So she's like, don't say my last name. Don't say my last name, all right? Don't mention my first name either. <laughs> she's from the Bronx. Um, <laughs> So, but she looked up successful Carolina alums and she was like, Lindsay Shooka, she's an executive producer. I mean, she's a producer, sorry and lie. And then all of a sudden she told Will Purpura, he contacted you. Here I am, that was like two months ago. Right? And you're here. Yeah. You're willing to come here and drop the wisdom on the folks. I'm gonna drop so um, much wisdom. <laughs> drop the knowledge. Oh. We were, I mean, essentially we're panning for gold. Yeah, no. So, folks, if you get one nugget tonight, it was worth it, all right? We're panning for a while. That's right. <laughs> Money back guarantee, come talk to me if you don't feel like you got your money's worth. All I ask is a one minute monologue of why, and then after that I'm willing to give you your money back. Um, okay, so the things that I, that I enjoy talking about is the different bifurcation points, the places along the way that kind of all of a sudden led you to where you are, working at Saturday Night Live and you know all the experience you've had, and then along the way maybe things you like little these nuggets of wisdom and the clues, because success leaves clues behind, I believe, and you've been very successful. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about like the little places from along your life to high school um, of how you like all of a sudden it started becoming like Saturday Night Live meant something to you. I mean, I know what it did for me, sure. you know, and how it led me here. Right. Um, SNL in particular, it's funny, like I, you know, I remember watching SNL as a kid. I remember um, in high school, for those who are my age, I can't tell. I can't really see anyone, but those were like my, you know, high school, like SNL was like what you did on Saturday nights, you know, and I know it was great. Yes, huge. absolutely. <laughs> so, and um, I remember like watching, Brit like when I was like 15 or 16, watching Britney Spears for the first time, and me and my little sister and just being like, who is that? Like, just like the introduction of new talent, and and so it was, a, and, and being such a fan of, of you know, Dana Carvey and Adam Sandler, and Chris Farley, and then when Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry came in, and so I was a, you know, I was a real fan. And when I, like, I, I remember hosting, I hosted the talent show my senior year of high school. And um, me and my co-host did, like, a whole, like, runner of SNL sketches throughout. You know, we did, like, a, um, like, what we would do now, like, a, an audition, like, we were doing auditions for Titanic. Titanic had just come out. And we were like, oh, let's do people auditioning for Titanic. So we did, like, I was, like, the Spice Girls auditioning for Titanic. And then he was, like, Burt Reynolds auditioning for Titanic. And, and, and. That was kind of the, the last of my performing days. Um, but uh, I thought it was, I, it just, it didn't, I wouldn't 
the same profound effect maybe it did to like go into like performing and writing, but it was definitely very special to me. And um, but I also didn't know you could have a career in my, in my line of work. I, I knew I wasn't gonna, once I got to Carolina and I realized, I'm like, oh, people are like really good at performing. Like I'm like, eh, you know, like I'm okay. I can get by with my family, but I'm not a great performer. And I was like, I don't wanna do it if I'm not great. So I stopped and I didn't realize like that my job existed until I, truly until I got to New York. And I started looking for a job and then all of a sudden they started describing the job that they were, um, that I was maybe interviewing for. And I was like, well, this is, Pretty cool. <laughs> pretty awesome. God, I wish someone would have told me that. I would have stopped earlier. It had to be great. <laughs> I would have probably got out in my late twenties, early thirties. But no. So you were, um, but you were performing with friends. You were performing sketches, and I read or Will had interviewed you and said that you recorded the shows and transcribed them. Yeah, I we, mean, we did a lot of like, I mean, all like, especially in like middle school, and we would, we would, we would just keep track of them, and um, and. We, we were, especially like my cousins and my, my sister and I, we were always kind of doing like little skits like that and begging my father to like record us and you know, that was kind of, that was our thing. And it was a funny family. Uh, I mean, I think we like to think so. <laughs> I've now realized like I consider myself to have like a good sense of humor. I no longer like consider myself funny because I, I work with so many funny people that I feel like I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just there to like have like a, a good laugh and like be like, <laughs> Nice one. <laughs> but you were doing you were doing some great bits back there. We you, had some I mean, good we bits. were doing you some guys, solid bits. bits we had that I mean, there, it was yeah. like, wow, we're doing bits here. Yeah, I kept up. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. There's a lot of yes and. Thank you. I've had 16 years of practice, but um, I appreciate your. That's a compliment. That's high praise. I was I, I was running with wolves back there. <laughs> um, but you you and your mom would watch the show and you would discuss them. We would we would uh, all of my family would talk about it and. Um, my little sister was a lot younger than me and I would talk about her and um, you know it was a I can't I don't want to like overemphasis like it was like a it was a thing in my life but it wasn't like I grew up being like that's where I'm going uh -huh. you know I didn't know that's where I was headed in fact to be honest in college I didn't watch SNL at all those of you who are in college you should totally watch it <laughs> don't do what I did watch the show um, our next last show is May 5th <laughs> but, but I really didn't watch the show in college and then I uh, when I graduated, I kind of came back to it. Mm -hmm. But and how did you like pick Carolina from you know when you were in high school? Um, I was so I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and um, I my parents we used to uh, drive from Buffalo to Florida for spring break every year, and we'd stop you know like halfway, which was like you know 14 hours from Buffalo and 14 hours left to Florida. And one time when I was like 10 or 11, we stopped in Chapel Hill. We stayed at the like Red Roof Inn right off of Florida, and um, they took us into Chapel Hill. And I just like saw like a, a cute like Carolina house, and I was, I was like, I'm going to school here. And I was like, this is it. I found it. Like found my place. And then I grew out of the outfit, and I still um, insisted that that was my place to. I didn't realize it was so hard to get in out of state. I was just kind of like, this is the school. Um, it was so beautiful, and I loved it. We went to the Rathskeller, and. Um, and then I was lucky enough to then like get in it, you know, get in UNC from out of state, which was like a, felt really special at the time. Then when I got older, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if it'll happen. But so once I did, I kind of, I really liked the idea of having like a well-rounded college education. I was just like a, you know, like I did, st I studied too hard in high school and was present in my class. Um, 
in June in high school, and then I was like, I'm gonna go to Carolina and be somebody different. And then I came here and I studied too hard, and I was president of my sorority. But like, still, like I like thought this would be a school where I could like it wasn't gonna just like ingrain like where I was gonna be like you have to study all the time. I thought it would like help me like you know have a life and be social and. Um, you know, find the things. But that's interesting. We were talking backstage and I was saying about how I don't believe in free will anymore. And this like happened to taking these drives from Buffalo to Florida and you end up in Chapel Hill halfway and then you went to Carolina. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that if you really think about it. So I was just like, you know, we know it wasn't the Red River Inn that got me to Spokane. <laughs> uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was that. And, and I, you know, two parents who really like were like, you know, go for it, like try it. I know it seems hard, but go for it. And and so I did. And then my actually my little sister ended up coming here after me, um, which was, we kind of, I mean, I wasn't here still, but we kind of blazed the way for another <laughs> Buffalo girl. And it's my sister also went here after me, but she was a Moorhead, so it's a little different. She was special. Yeah, yeah, I barely got out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you got here and then you started working on journalism. That's what you wanted to? Yeah, I, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I, when I got here at all, and my friend Tim is here someplace, but my friend Tim was one of the first people I met uh, at, it was actually like, what'd you say? Over there. Okay, yeah. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. So, so Tim was, I met him like like day three at Carolina, and I remember he knew what he wanted to do. He was like, I'm going to be on air, I'm going to be a reporter, and I just remember being like, oh my god, I'm so jealous. I was so jealous of the idea that he just like knew. And I was like, I have no idea. And I went kind of through college not really knowing. I picked the journalism school because I, like in a practical way, I knew I knew I was gonna be a doctor. Uh, my dad wanted me to be an engineer. It was never gonna happen. Like I knew where I wasn't going, but I knew that it was gonna be creative. And I thought about the, you know, doing communications or the day school, and I thought the journalism school was gonna give me like more like practical skills, you know, like editing mm -hmm. and, and um, how to write a press release. Or, you know, I, I just thought it would, it would might help me later on in life. So. I chose a day school, I chose a public relations concentration, and I really didn't know. Um, I think maybe when I graduated, I thought I was a, uh, since I was a PR concentration, I thought, oh, I'll go, I'll go work for like a top five PR firm in New York. And I wanted to go into crisis communications maybe, which was like, you know, dealing with like really serious issue, <laughs> issues. Like, if, I mean, if a plane crashes or like, you know, there was like the Tylenol scare back in the <laughs> 80s, like when things happen and they have someone who's like, the fixer, I thought I could be like the fixer. Uh -huh. I'm kind of like the fixer at SNL though. Right. So I just don't deal with like, I deal with like Kanye West and not like, like <laughs> 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 It might be as big a deal as a Tylenol <laughs> incident, you know, at some, some level. So, but you're, you're here, you're, are you in the sorority or are you one of like the funny people, the people that, you know? I just want to say like, I, I think I say this because I, um, we were talking about it dinner earlier. I, so I got here and all I wanted to do was like, just keep it cool do very little, and I was like, I'll join a sorority, and I will uh, work hard on my schoolwork, and I tried to join a sorority, and I got boxed out of the sororities. So like within day 10 of Carolina, they were like, you don't get to be in a sorority, and I was just like, I was crying, mean, it was like socially just like, I was, just to have friends, I was like looking for any kind of friends, and I like, didn't make it, you know, and I was like, I felt like such a loser, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, I'm gonna like, what am I gonna do, and you know, it's just a really devastating thing, um, you know, and it's so silly, but it, it was really, like, it hurt me at the time, and then I, you know, but then I came back, and I got into the story the next year, and I was like, I'm going to be president, just to show you how old I can do it, and, you know, and I did. 
But that happened to me too. I didn't get into my fraternity the first time. And then I rushed again and then I got in and I was like lodge manager and treasurer. And I was yes. like, all right. But it was like, it's that second effort. Yeah. You know, Lombardi coached by four rules, hard work, second effort, loyalty and love. And the second effort is where people fall short, where they're like, they give up and they don't right. push through for that second effort part. Um, I also think it's a good, now having a young, I have a five year old, I think about those things. Like that was a, a good moment for me to like learn and self reflect and like, you know, just like feel, feel sadness and feel, pain and hardship and be like, I mean, I know it's, you know, it's like 19 year old hardship, but still it was, and, and then grow from it and be like, okay, I can, you know, I'm fine and I've gotten through it and, you know, just kind but, of a moment. But I mean, those are part of the combat, you know, combat stripes you get too, those little, those pains and you push past it. Uh, what dorm did you live in freshman year? Bering House dorm. I lived in Avery. I got lucky. I got lucky. My parents dropped me off and I didn't know how to get there. And my dad was like, he doesn't know how to get around in this school. <laughs> well, don't worry, in four years you'll know where everything is. Yeah. It took five. <laughs> and I still don't know where stuff is. But you, you, what you're talking about is like an incredible amount of work ethic, though. Where did you get like your work ethic from just to like, you know, because journalism is like, to me, it's like real. It's like farming. And a lot of times when I teach the sketch writing class, the writing for SNL type class, people who are journalists or writers, they already have that work ethic of understanding, like, it's just not going to show up on the page. You've got to write first drafts right. and then sloppy copies and keep working on it. Where, was that always in you? Or? I, yeah, I mean, I just always wanted to, like, I mean, I think it was, like, a quest for perfection. I mean, if I'm, you know, I've done a lot of self-reflection mm -hmm. as, as an adult. But, like, I think I just, like, wanted, like, I thought it was, like, the harder I work, the closer I can get to being you know, some sort of perfect, and, you know, I just didn't know that that wasn't, like, real, that you couldn't really, you know, achieve that, and so I was just, like, always hoofing it to try and, like, you know, I didn't ever want to, like, uh, I didn't want to fail, and so I just, if I kept on doing it, and I kept on working hard, and, and, it, it, and it's, you know, it's, obviously, it's worked well for me, because I think, especially when you're young, you know, in a new job, and you're 22, 23, like, like, work ethic is so, so, so important, just saying, like, you'll do anything, I'll, I'll pick up this shit. I mean, when I was 22, I, st I was lucky enough to start at SNL at a time where, like, the other people in my department were all, like, three or four years. I'd been there for three or four years, which was brilliant because they were sick of doing the stuff. They were kind of like, oh, now we have to go. And I was like, I'll do it all. Mm -hmm. Just give it to me. I'll come in early. I'll stay late. Don't worry about it. I got it. And, like, that, you know, that means something. It's still, I mean, it means even more, I think, today. But um, it was just in me. I can't really explain. I didn't have parents who, like, pushed me that hard. They were just, like awesome great parents but I it was kind of in me so it was just your nature yeah, yeah. like I just like really wanted to do great yeah my sister's like that my dad's like that one of my daughters is like that but my mom and me and my other daughter are not like that <laughs> but so while you think uh, the world would be tough <laughs> Now, you got the, uh, the uh, internship at New Line Cinema while you were at Carolina, mm -hmm. right? And how did that come about, to, get, to somehow get an internship at a, you know, a major film company? Yeah, you know, uh, that was the summer after my junior year, between junior and senior year. And I, honestly, that one I had to, like, I didn't know anybody, like, in, in show business. I, like, my aunt knew a person, knew a per I mean, it was, like, truly, like, going through, like, five people. And I finally got, like, a phone interview with someone at New Line Cinema. Mm -hmm. My, you know, my junior spring, and I got this internship. Um, I'm not even really sure why. Maybe, she, maybe the woman was forced to do it, I don't know. Um, but uh, she hired me, and I came that summer. And, you know, I, I quickly realized, you know, internships, a lot of the time you're not doing really, like, important stuff. You know, you're really, like, when they say you're support staff, you're, 
you know, support staff and like, I mean, one side my boss sent me to like Bergdorf's to go buy a pair of shoes for her to match this outfit. You know, like, I mean, I was really doing like some like, uh, like Devil Wears Prada work kind of stuff. Um, but, but what I realized and what I always kind of tell students that I meet is like, you can get coffee and you can, you know, you can answer phones, you, and you can do all that stuff and that's fine. But what you learn is like op opening your ears and like watching what's happening in front of you, watching when there's a problem, when there's a crisis, when someone's talking to another person, when, when, um, when how someone else handles, handles phone skills, how, what do they do if someone's late? How do they handle, you know, politics in an office? And that's where you kind of really pick stuff up. And I was really just like, I'm gonna take it all in. And so I worked, I worked hard, and I also. I made sure I like created really good relationships with the women who I was working for, and that's what paid off. I stayed in touch with the woman who was my boss and in New Line Cinema. I a, a year later in July, I like remembered being an intern her birthday being like July first. Made her cookies, sent her cookies, mm -hmm. and was like, "Let's real butter up here." Mm -hmm. And then I moved to New York with a job like two months later, and I she was the first call I made. And I was like, "Hi, I'm here. Like, do you know anything?" Do you have any leads? And she, like, two days later, was like, do you want to work for Lauren Michaels at SNL? And I mean, I, I want to say, it, it, it was kind of that simple. I then had, like, a four-week interview process. He already had hired someone. I went and I worked. I got hired as the assistant to the producer whose job I have now. And I so I graduated in May 2002. September 30, 2002, I started my first day at SNL. Wow. Um, and I've never left. <laughs> <laughs> um, Part of what you're talking about, I learned this once from a, uh, a contractor friend of mine. His father taught him to borrow with your eyes. Mm -hmm. So when you're on a site, you just, you're watching everything going on. You're not talking, you're listening, but you're learning and you're taking it all in about how things actually work. And I think that's, a, a, you know, sometimes where people fall short, they want to keep participating and jumping in and chiming in, where it's just watch and learn. Yeah, I think that's, that's the real thing I've seen kind of um, with the young people who have come into my show recently and interns. It's just they like they're so anxious to like jump ahead and like I want to be like doing this and producing this and making these films and and I it's I I um, admire people who want to make their own films and do it in film school or whatever it is but like when you're in a professional environment you kind of have to like that's a new world and you have to kind of just like take the back seat and try and I've seen people do it really well you either can like you can either take it all in or you can just get coffees and answer the phones and there's two totally different ways to do it and. Um, but I think there's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really great what you can, I learned so much, my boss, who was the producer before, um, before me, she used to let me, like, listen to her phone calls, and so I learned so much the first few years, just listening to the way she spoke to people, just, like, how do you, like, how does she talk to talent, how does she talk to her boss, how does she talk to Lauren, how does she talk to the cast members, how does she deal with problems, and, um, all of a sudden I woke up three years later like being like, oh, I kind of know, like it's mm -hmm. in me now and I didn't, it's not like someone talked to me, but I just like listened mm -hmm. and it's a great, it's a great way to learn. I mean, it's kind of, you see the movie Limitless? <laughs> Basically the gist of it is like what you're saying. All of a sudden you Bradley don't. Bradley Cooper? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love the concept, but basically you have the knowledge, you didn't realize, like, I can do this. This is brought to you by Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper. Check it out on Netflix. We're going to play it now. <laughs> but Will Papora, who uh, is one of the producers with, ne with Will Neville on this, he interviewed you, and some of the stuff off of this, he said, learn how to be liked by in, in professional situations, and learn uh, how listening was important being part of an environment like that. Is that part of what you're describing? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, one of my <clears throat> my biggest strengths is that I 
I figured out, I mean, my, my job is so much based on relationships and I learned how to like look at someone and be like, okay, and try and figure out like, how am I gonna best suit this person? How am I gonna like kind of be a little bit of a chameleon and be like, to create this great relationship? Not saying like, you know, who I am just goes to the wind, but like I really, you know, you do have to learn how to, um, to build relationships quickly and build really strong relationships and adjust yourself to like, you know, how I, I specifically speak about like hosts. Uh, if a host comes in, you can imagine if it's like Miley Cyrus is one week and the next week's Bruce Willis and the next week's Chris Rock and the next week's Mick Jagger, you know, how you talk to them, how you adjust, how you, each week is different, each relationship is different. And so you kind of have to learn that skill of how do I adjust myself and how do I, um, how do I kind of take the temperature and stick my toe in water. And it, it's really kind of an exciting challenge. I love, that's the part of the job I love is like each week, you know, try, I always say like I have 20, I have 48 hours to get the host to like, like me and trust me and like say they'll tell me their whole life story within 48 hours. And like sometimes I don't always score big time. I mean, I like now I kind of feel like I'm like I've got it down. But I have from like Monday to Wednesday to get the host to trust me, and it's a cool challenge, you know. It's it's interesting. And so, like you said, you got a chance to listen in on her conversations with other people, and she was different. How was she? How can you describe how she might have been different or indifferent with talking with Lauren or with a, a host or something? Well, I think, um, or is it a subtle thing? I mean, I think it's pretty. Oh my, oh here. Um, I think it's pretty. Subtle. I mean, I think, you know, there's no, like, real art form to, there's no, like, thing, you know, the top three things you do to talk to talent, but I think it was just, like, um, my friend said earlier, it's, like, a lot of it's, like, learning how to convince someone to do something they don't really want to do. <laughs> and, like, and that's kind of an art form. And so, like, listening to her, I don't really know what the, like, I don't have, like, the one, two, and three, you know, here's how you do it. Um, I, you could, I mean, I make a lot of money from a book like that if I really didn't have to do it. But, um, but that was kind of part of it, like seeing how she dealt with, like, okay, I know you're scared. I, I see, you know, kind of, but it's so much about bonding with someone and feeling like they under, that you understand them and that they can trust you and that you're on their side and, and seeing, like, you know, breaking down that barrier, like, we're, we're close and I'm here for you and, and now I'm going to convince you to do something you don't want to do. <laughs> you said like it was a, a process, I mean, jumping back to getting the job. I think part of like what I enjoy is the nuts and bolts of like how many interviews, how long was the interview to get, because you know, a lot of what we have been trying to do at the pit, you know, in our classes, what we do is to demystify. Here's what an SNL sketch looks like. Here's how many are in a packet. Here's what their auditions look like. Not to say that you can't find this information anyway. Right. It's like it's five minutes or under, three characters, right. three impersonations. but. Helping people go like, this is really, there's no hidden, they're like, well, how do I get my thing to somebody? It's like, everybody on a show is in the credits. Right, right. If you want to reach someone, IMDb Pro, and you can get to someone right. and write a letter that's extricated of all crazy. Right, <laughs> And maybe someone will get back. I mean, I, wrote, I said that today. It was the advice I gave to you. I, gave, I uh, did a lunch with like 25 students this morning, and I was saying that like, you know, there's nothing wrong with like cold emailing people. Like, you're not going to get answers from everybody. But who cares? If you get, if you write ten emails, if you look up people that you think might be interesting, or jobs you think might be interesting, and you find ten people that you want to write emails to, and you write carefully crafted, thoughtful emails that are not just like copy and paste, copy and paste, and you like really like, if you're gonna ask someone to take time out of their day to like inspire, to to impart wisdom, then you need to take time out of your day to make sure it's a thoughtful, wise, educated email. But you do that, and you write ten emails to somebody. And let's say you get two emails back. 
that's a that's a bo- that's like that's a score. That's a win, you know. And and I write I honestly write back to cool emails a lot. Um, if they're not copy and paste emails, I'll just like forge my system to like set something up with this person. If it's an email that I think is like you know the person took the time, I think it's people helped me out so much when I was. Uh, you know, when I graduated, and I, I just think it's like the cycle of like generosity. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like at Christmas Eve '89, I was watching SNL, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, and I had this epiphany: I want to write for SNL some point in my life. Right. And then I, for some reason at the time, just naivete, I wrote a letter to Lauren, right. and he had someone, you know, uh, contact me. They called my number to my fraternity, yeah. and all of a sudden I was like, "Are you doing a bit?" They're like, "No, someone from SNL's on the phone." I was like, <laughs> and that's how it started to find out from that about Second City and, you know, and began the journey that eventually led back there, you know, nine years later. I think also it's like you, because you, I, having like, you know, been with all the assistants and seen all the mail, like, it was a little bit, that was luck that that, right. that letter got to him, because, mm-hmm. you know, nine out of a hundred might not, but it did. Which is the another reason why you like you keep it up. You don't just stop. You don't just say like, okay, well, no one responded to my first ten emails, so therefore I'm a dummy. It's like you keep it going. You keep trying because people will, and it's just because a lot of it is. If, sometimes I miss emails, and I meant to write back, and I forgot. You know, and and so it is. It is like you have to kind of be determined and push through, and sometimes and take rejection. And, not even like a cold, not getting a cold email response is rejection, but allowing yourself to be like, let's just keep trying. Mm-hmm. But I mean, luck is, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm in my job, you know, partially luck, timing. Right, right. I mean, but, you know, also like you're, you're the person you were, you were the assistant to. They knew right away like you, was, you were going to be good with talent, right? She just, I was lucky, my old boss, Marcy Klein, um, who was producer before me, um, she... I mean, I remember my interview. She like didn't ask me anything related to like comedy. Like she was. I mean, she asked me one question. She was like, "Do you know all the agencies like CAA and WME?" And I was like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> I was like, "I didn't at all." I just was like, but the last time she was just like, "So what was Carolina like?" I mean, she just liked like it was like we were having a conversation, and so she kind of just liked me. And she was at a place in her career where she was ready to not be there all the time. She had already worked there sixteen years, mm-hmm. and she was kind of like ready to like pass some pass the buck in some way and so the timing of my career there was so if I had come five years earlier I don't know if she would have been ready to do that but she was ready and so she she kind of looked at me like I was a little mini a little mini her and so she really just gave me so much responsibility and and really like sung my praises to Lauren and, and she just really like believed in me so it, it really it, it that helped a ton. And then Alec Baldwin was hosting one point he yes. asked you what do you want to do with your life? Yeah, I remember like it was maybe like a year and a half into my job or two years, and Alec posted. It was the first time I met him, and we were sitting. I was like there till like two a.m. one night on a writing night, and Alec and I were sitting on the couch waiting for like a meeting to start, and he was just like, "So what's your deal? Like, where are you from? What do you want to do? Like, you know, how'd you get here?" And it was the first like host who had actually like engaged in like questions about you know me and. And he, and we had a great conversation, and Alec really liked me, and then Alec went on to like, I think that week he said something to Lauren, and was like, she's great, and and, and that's, it's a, such a small moment, um, and yet it really changed the kind of the tra- trajectory of my career, because then Lauren was like, oh, Alec Baldwin thinks she's great, and he's like, keep an eye on her, and so then he was like, she's someone to look out for, and in fact, just last year, um, Alec now being back at the show so much, I have a woman now who works for me who's fantastic. She was my old assistant, and she I put her like on Alec. She deals with Alec on a regular basis when it comes to the show. And I said the same thing. I go, Alec, you know, 
you did such a huge thing for me when you said something to Lauren like 12 years ago, 13 years ago about me. I'm like, I'd like you to do the same thing for Grace because you love her so much. And sure enough, he did it. And like, it made a big difference for Grace. You know, those things like really help. Right. I mean, we talk about it, you know, with Second City or I.O. about throwing the rope down. We're sending the elevator back down when you get up there. Yeah. You know, someone did it for you. They got you to where you are. You're going to help them out as well. And that's the, the cycle of it. Um, in the beginning, though, you were helping running a lot of the auditions, you know, and telling people who were next and whatnot. I mean, is there stuff that you noticed where, you know, obviously that's a very intense process. You're waiting out there to get on to, you know, 8H. Are there folks you just know, like, they've got it or they're going to do it? Or is it just you can't tell? I mean, the audition process at SNL is such a... Um very intense, uh, intense time for these comedians. Basically, what we do is we, um, we go, you know, we find however many, like usually around fifteen to twenty, that we were actually put up on our stage, like on the home base where you see the monologue, and we say you have five minutes, you can do whatever you want. Basically, that's it. There's no like anything else. I might like if I've seen other stuff, I might be like, okay, like if I've seen a tape on them, I might say. Don't do Donald Trump because we already got that. But you know, add this. Do you know? Can you do a you know Kim Jong Un like? And I try and maybe help them a little bit. Really, it's kind of like they have to write the whole thing. And so it's like they don't know. They're going up there in front of Lauren and me and the other producers, and um, you know they're they're so frightened. And as they, sh it's a you know a scary process. So. Um, when I was an assistant, I got to be backstage and be like kind of getting the the people who are auditioning through the process, like you know, getting into dressing rooms, getting into hair and makeup, and kind of like talking them through. It was a good art in like calming down people who were very very nervous, and um, and I, yeah, I got to say I couldn't quite you know you can't quite tell. Um, you can tell who you like, like personality wise, like oh this person is really funny to talk to versus this person is very serious and is like doing, you know, vocal exercises in the corner. Um, and, you know, the nice thing about SNL, we really do care about what's, like, what this is like. We care about like talking to them and making sure they're like, they're fun and, and that they're funny and that they, like, they have a funny, um, uh, a funny personality because it's not, so much of SNL is based on getting getting along with the group, the social aspect of it. You know, you have to be able to write with people. And, and so if you're like a loner and you don't do anything and you don't want to work with people, it does affect the vibe. So, um, you know, you can't, but you can't always tell. Like I, you know, I, I could always tell who I really like to be around. And like Kristen Wiig is someone I just like, mm -hmm. I, I immediately liked. And like I remember when Kate McKinnon auditioned, I really liked her immediately. But there were also plenty of people that I was like, she's a star. and you know, and didn't have a great audition. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not always easy to like completely, even when you think you're at your best, you know, you still sometimes don't really know. One of my friends who was a head writer on the show, she said, if you were good at high school, you could be good at SNL. Because you were like good at homework, you were good at get along with people, yeah. you did your assignments, you wrote your papers early, and you could kind of thrive there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's true. It's like if you, you have to put the time into just other things than just being funny, you know, it can't just be like the art, it has to be like making friends and, and the politics and all the stuff mm. that was going on with it. But Kristen Wiig is someone who like you went to bat for, mm -hmm. like you saw her tape for other people and you were like, no, no, there's something here. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Will was telling me about that, about how you like yeah. really pushed her through and in a way, you know, were like a queen maker. <laughs> um, yeah, Kristen, I was, again, this is like a little bit about like luck and timing. 
Um, the year before Kristen auditioned, um, the way SNL works is a lot of people get laid off in the summer because we don't have live shows. And so at the time, in 2004, um, there was three of us. It was me, my boss, and then the woman right underneath there. And uh, they both had babies at the exact same time. So they went on maternity leave one summer, and it was just me in the office. So all of a sudden, I went from like assistant to like I was like getting all the tapes, and all the managers were emailing me about submissions and all this comedy stuff. And so I started to be able to make some some uh, relationships with managers and agents that I wouldn't have been able to make had they still been there because those were their relationships. So I made a couple relationships that then once they came back still stuck in the next year, those people really liked me so they still kept sending their clients to me. And that next year someone sent me Kristen Wiig's tape and I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was remarkable, I thought it was so incredible. And she showed it to me and I passed it along and I kind of got a like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, okay. I just didn't want to take no for an answer, so then I went back to the manager. Like, Let's, maybe if you, if you, are there new characters I've never seen? Can we add this? Take this away. This is really solid. Do this, and they, um, and they send it again, and I, sh and I kind of passed along again, and I got kind of like, no thanks. I've already seen that. That's no thanks, and and so I was like, God, I guess I'm just like you know I have to trust the people who have been doing this, and luckily there was another producer who was willing to kind of um, he had seen something or he kind of was willing to go to bat and he was like let's just put her in the auditions and he did and then she got hired and it was a really special moment for me because my boss knew about you know everyone knew that I had kind of like really felt passionate about her and and so it really kind of I always say that gave me some street cred mm -hmm. earlier yeah. that's what I was thinking even when you were saying that I was like that gives you that yeah. credibility yeah. of like she saw it yeah I remember I taught, I mean, not, but I did a workshop for when Kate was on, Kate McKinnon was on this show, Big Gay Sketch yeah. Show. I did a, a workshop for a team building workshop for all of them. And I was just like, this person should be, and I'd already been on SNL. I was like, this person should be on SNL. Yeah. But you just, sometimes you see someone, you just know, like, they have that thing that works perfectly for the show. Right. You know? But then sometimes I've seen people who I'm like, that person's a genius and that'd be perfect. And then, but then they're not, you know, mm -hmm. so it's not just, you know, not always you're not no. always accurate you have to but also you have to be able to like make mistakes you have to be able to be like I'm gonna put my name in line for this person and even if they're not right I have to just like go home at night and deal with it. because it's like you can't be too if you are too afraid to make a mistake and be wrong then you're then you're just playing it safe and you're never gonna find the genius people how many audition tapes are you guys being sent in you know I mean, July hundreds, hundreds. I mean, hundreds. And uh, now it used to be VHS tapes. Right. Uh, now we get links. And uh, also now I kind of sometimes will take um, people can send me links of things they've done that might be interesting for me, and then I can be like, I like that. Create a five minutes, and I'll put you up in a live showcase. So I, I kind of have shifted a little bit. Like I'll do a lot of live showcases in the summer. And then that'll be called down to how many people get to audition at AH roughly. Maybe like fifteen. Mm -hmm. Fifteen. A big ones, the, the biggest I've seen is 27, but I'd say like somewhere between 15 and 20. And then sometimes you'll have second auditions for folks? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. This past season we did. And then the stuff, you want people basically doing stuff to camera. like Yeah, they just like, it's like, it's like a black wall and they just go straight to camera. They just do like, you know, fit in as much as they can. They do characters, they do impressions. Um, and the, the whole thing is like showcase your writing. It's like... You know, it's not it's not good enough to just do a great impression. Like I've seen a million brilliant impressionists, um, but you have to be funny. You have to have a funny take on somebody. So if you think about someone like Will Ferrell doing George W. Bush, 
like we can if you really think about it, like George W. His George W. Bush wasn't a brilliant impression. It was a great character. It was a great caricature of George W. Like it was so funny, but it was a take on him. It wasn't like his voice was like the exact same, you know, voice as George W. So you have to kind of, you know, like it's like Kate um Kate McKinnon's Hillary, Hillary Clinton, same thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a really brilliant take. And if you have a funny take on someone and there's joy in it, it typically ends up being successful. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're looking for funny, right? Funny Trump's today. I always say that. They're like, but people, reps always tell me, they're like, what are you looking for this year? We know. You're looking for a man. You're looking for a woman. You're looking for a black guy. You're looking for, and I'm always just like, I'm looking for funny. I'm always looking for funny. Funny wins. Like, that's for sure what happens. Like, I, I, if I'm cast, like, we don't go out casting for somebody. We, like, we just want the funniest people, and if even if we don't need another X, Y, and Z, if we see the next Will Ferrell, we're gonna take him, you know, because you don't want to miss out on funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I when I was auditioning, it was three characters, three impersonations, but now it's kind of like you can do anything for the five minutes. Well, because I I started abandoning that that because people were so they were listening to that in such a like they weren't breaking from it, and so uh-huh. they'd be like. They like that third impression would be awful, right. and be like, but I got to do three impressions, and I'd be like, don't right. do it. This is your chance with Lauren Michaels. Don't do a third bad impression. Jeez. Like, bail on it if you, you know, like. I wouldn't have done Jean Reno. <laughs> <laughs> no I know, no one knows who Jean Reno. He was in a great deep diving movie. That's the problem. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I started kind of being like, do your best five minutes. What, what are you going to be the most proud of? And if you don't do impressions, don't force three impressions, you know? And great if you can do one, you know, or if you're if that's your thing, then do seven great impressions and two characters. So I kind of abandoned that that's guideline because people were taking it a little too seriously. And do you get involved in the writing side of hiring writers at all, or is that something? I'll meet writers, again, on like a, per- like we'll be like, we always the thing I love about SNL is that we really care about like getting to spend time with people before we hire them. So like I'll always like meet people we're hire we're thinking about hiring just to do the check in of like who do we feel like fits into like this world and who will be a success based on just who's gonna get along with us. Right. I mean that's a big part of it, you know the four AM, you know, yeah, Lauren always says like who do you wanna see when you walk in the hall at four AM? Mm-hmm. and you know, for writers, can two sketches get you hired? Or do you need yeah. two sketches can get you hired? Yeah. And that's why I tell folks, because a lot of times in the teaching class, we're like, how many sketches do you need? I'm like, two sketches will get you hired because anybody can hit one great shot in golf, putting two together, that's golf. Well, honestly, we, I remember Chris Waxman once, he's like, really, it's like a show. All you really need for someone to say it's a great show is a great monologue and a great sketch, one great sketch. Right. And then people are like, that oh, was a great show. And it's like, right. you just kind of, you don't, everything's not going to score. Right. You know? Navigating those halls, the social scene, performers and writers, I mean, that's probably a delicate, you know, environment to, you know, kind of navigate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. <laughs> Is there a question? No, I don't know. It was something Will wrote down. I thought there was going to be a question, but it was just... Oh, what's it like to navigate the social scene as a performer or a writer? Um, uh, well, as neither a performer or a writer, um, I would say it's... It's tough. It's a tough, like, it's a tough, you know, I think it's just tough, especially when you're new and you're coming in and you're kind of like, what the am I doing here? And you just got hired and you, it's all this, like, energy being like, you know, all you wanted is to be hired at SNL. And then you get hired and now you're like, wait, I have to, every week I have to try and make sure I don't get fired. Right. And that is, like, a really intimidating, paralyzing place to work from. I don't have to work like that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, they're not, they can't get rid of me. I mean, they need me, you know, right now. But like, for, I think for the writers and the um, the cast, it's really difficult. And 
Um, I personally try and like, when I can, I really try and sit with the new people and ch have check-ins and be like, you know, not all the time, but like just try and check in and like help them, give them small tidbits of advice to like, like the first week, someone at the note the show, this past the first week of the uh, first show, someone, two people who were just hired at the show were just like, you know, kind of acting like real bros, like it was like a real fraternity scene and, and like music was really loud and like it was just a real, and I remember just being like, and no one wanted to address it and I was like, you know, this isn't fair, like let's give them the keys to do well here and so I just wanted to, I was like, God, I shut the door and I was like, boys, this isn't going to do well for you. Like, just, like, let's turn the music down. This is a working environment. People are working. People are nervous. Like, I think it's, it's like, giving off the wrong perception. This isn't who you are. So let's just think about that, right? I know how I always say is, like, like, you're a freshman right now. Right. And, like, you want to, like, you want to, like, you know, right now the best thing to do is just be funny and that's it. Right. You know, and not be known for other things. Don't be known as the guy who plays music really loud in the hall and is doing bits and whatever. You know, just be known for the guy who's really funny on camera. And so... I do try and help them navigate a little because it's tricky. In 2008, they made you a producer there, which they don't hand out. No, in 2008, they made me an associate producer. Associate in 2012, producer. they made me a producer. But they don't hand out those titles. I mean, sitcoms, they hand it out after like a year, you know, yeah. a producer credit. Yeah. I mean, so that's a big deal. It took six, but six years, yeah. you were willing to like it's do like your time. time. Yeah. And then eventually, but now you get, get a big say on yeah. who the hosts are and you know, yeah, no, I was really, um, I never kind of envisioned, I never thought I'd get to be a producer on the show. There were so many people above me and, and my ball. I never had to believe that I could actually get to do it. I knew, I thought I'd be good at it. And I remember thinking when I'm 30, I want to make sure I'm like managing a group of people. Um, and then, but I guess when I was like 32 is when they made me a producer. Um, I found out I was pregnant and I found out I was getting, becoming a producer in the head of the department within like three days of each other. <laughs> And I just cried. I did a lot of crying. I was like, this is not how I expected it. Like, this is not me at my best. Like, I really wanted to, like, I wanted both things so badly, but I didn't want them at the same time. And I felt all this pressure to be, like, you know, just as, like, a woman, I was like, I, I don't want to be perceived just as a mom or just as someone who's going to, like, leave and go to maternity leave. And, and, you know, right or not, I think it's, a you know, women have to go through a tough thing of, like, if you want to have a kid, it's a... A tough struggle, but I just I was so set that I was like I want to prove myself that I'm really good at this job before anyone thinks of me as like well she's a mom now. So I just hit it. I just like fully hid my pregnancy and I hit it for so, so long. I think I made it to like 21 weeks, like more than half the pregnancy. I was just like I was like the one who was like carrying a watermelon around to be like just no, no <laughs> like a book bag in front of my stomach so nobody would notice that I had a little baby bump. Um, but I was I was so panicked that uh, that I would just I wouldn't get to prove myself, and so I spent a really long time. I also made sure I had like a really my contract signed, everything, and I wanted my my. Um, I remember when he made me producer, I wanted my title to air on television. So then I was like, no. I mean, I know that seems silly, like someone's gonna take away your title because you're pregnant. I just you know I mean I was panicked, and so I just I watched that title air, and then like the following day I was like. Pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then my stomach, I swear, just like, and um, I do remember saying to Lauren, like, I, I went in being very much like matter of fact, not like, this is a celebration of life. I was just like, here's the deal. I'm pregnant. I'm still going to work hard. I've worked really hard. You can't, I'm going to still be in meetings. I'm going to come back even better. And he was like, 
children are miracles. <laughs> this is okay. Like, this is cool. And I was just like, okay, well, fun. And, and then I, I had my daughter um, that following February. I, I worked a 14-hour day on my due date. Uh, Justin Bieber was the host of Music Just. And it's February 9th. I, wear, I, wore, I put on a dress. I put on high heels. And at the end of that night, I remember I looked at Lauren. He's like, you want to party? And I was like, no, I'm an underdog baby. This has to come out. And so I went to the, I, like, two days later, I had a baby. And I remember I just, again, was like, I wanted to make sure that I, um, I, I was smart about it. And that I, like, kept my foot in enough that it wasn't going to be like I just disappeared. So I... I made a couple phone calls, and I remember, like, after I had her, like, a week later, two, and I remember Lauren called me after two weeks, and he's like, Lindsay, just, like, take some time, like, you, you know, you just had a baby, you need to, like, spend this time with your family, and then, at, like, three and a half weeks, like, I'd been over three and a half weeks, he's like, so, when are you coming back? And I was like, what's the date of return? Um, and I did, I came back really early, I came back, um, when my daughter was, like, six weeks old, um, but it, you know, I, I thought it was important to me and it was important to my job and I really, it felt like it was a really um, healing thing for me to like go back to work and be like, and I wasn't like full, full time, but I was coming back and I was doing something I was good at that wasn't about a baby and breastfeeding and I, I was like, oh yeah, I'm really good at this. And it was like a good thing for me to like remember that I had this other part of my life. And, and now I spend a lot of time trying to balance both pretty much unsuccessfully, but I, I try, and, and um, yeah, that, was, that question wasn't about having a baby. But, <laughs> but that shows how valuable you are to him in the show, though. I mean, so you're involved in, like, who's the host, right? You are involved yes. in those meetings, deciding who the hosts are, who yes. ultimately becomes part of the cast. Because a lot yes. of times with the title producer, people, and, you know, civilians are people not in entertainment industry. What does a producer do? What does that mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a lot of places, producer means like it's like you know raising funds. Like Broadway producers raise money. Um, I don't raise money. Um, I spend money for the show. <laughs> um, my job really insists uh, consists of um, I'm the head of the talent department. I book all the hosts. I book all the musical guests. I deal with all the talent when they come in. So the host comes in on Monday. They're there till Saturday. I'm kind of the person who's trying to get the best out of the host and kind of represent the show, but also represent fans and, and hope that we're going to meet in the middle somewhere with stuff the host would be good at. Um, I deal with the musical guests. Like, sometimes you wouldn't believe that the musical guests, they come in on Thursdays and they rehearse. And sometimes they come in on Thursday and it's just a disaster. And, and, and it, you know, it's been working with the, with the artists, with the management, trying to, like, figure out how to, like, get it better in two days, rehearsals, everything. I deal with casting for the show, obviously, like what I just said, like, looking for new cast members. And then I think the majority of, of what I do besides that is like problem solving. I'm like, you know, like I said, I'm a little bit like, if something happens that's like not meant to happen, like, you know, that's kind of where I come in. Mm -hmm. This past episode, John Mulaney, who's somebody who, you know, people in the business know who John Mulaney is, but may not be somebody America or the world knows about. It feels like, like that's somebody who like someone had to go to bat for. Right. To, well, I would have. I said this this morning. I would have never guessed six months ago if you told me John Mulaney was going to be hosting last week's show. I wouldn't have ever guessed it. Um, but you know, it's actually Lauren who went to bat for John. Lauren had seen the show in Radio City and just thought like it was his his stand-up was spectacular, and he had we knew he had a Netflix special coming out. So then I suggested to Lauren, I was like, why don't we 
Ted Sarantos, who's the who's the head of Netflix, was coming to the show the night. I was like, why don't we talk to Ted and see if he'll move the special, you know, close to when we're close to April. So then at least it makes sense of why he's hosting. There's like a reason, there's momentum, and it's good for him. And and Ted said yes, and you know, I talk. I mean, literally, it was like March. 17th we talked to Mulaney and March 18th Mulaney called me to talk about it and then March 19th he said yes and then April 14th he was hosting. Right, he did a great job. He did a great I, thought, I don't know if anyone's seen the show. John Mulaney, who's like a stand comedian who most people probably don't know, um, he did this, he, he, he did a monologue, probably like a six or seven minute stand up monologue on Saturday night and, to me, and it was so funny and I think to me that's the kind of show that we love to do where like nobody really, a lot of people don't know him especially in middle America, a lot of people don't know him, but I think that was like a life-changing model. Oh, yeah. Because people don't know who he is, and then they see that kind of comedy, and it's like they're like, um, they're discovering him in such a brilliant way, and I'm like, I think his life will be changed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was a great I, I, I encourage all of you to go back and look it up online. It's, it's really spectacular. Sam Smith is another person who you saw in Austin. No one really knew who he was, and you went to bat for him and said, this guy should be a musical guest. Yeah, it was, that was a really, I, um, I was in some meeting in LA and some agent came in and was like, schmoozy, schmoozers, and I was just like, have you heard about Sam Smith? And I was just kind of like, no, like, you know, rolled my eyes. And he's like, he's, he's like the next big thing, I think. And he's like a cross between Adele and Boy George, is what he said. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I need more of both of those in my life. So, um, and then again, luck. Um, I probably would have forgotten. Someone canceled on me. My next meeting got canceled. I went back to my hotel. I went on iTunes, found three of the songs, and I was like, God, these are really powerful, you know, so sad, but songs. <laughs> and they just like, they hit at the, where I was in my life, they hit me right at the right spot. And I came back to New York and I was like, I gotta see this guy live. Um, so I went down to Southwest, specifically to see him, to Southwest by Southwest in, uh, I wanna say March of, whatever year he was on the show, I can't remember now, 2014 maybe. And I went down there and and I saw him and I, I just was so taken by him. And I came back and I called Lauren, who's on vacation, I remember distinctly being in my apartment. And I was like, this is just gonna make no sense. Like not, it, Sam didn't have a single out on the radio. He only had like um, an EP, like he didn't, his album wasn't coming out until like May or June. None of it made sense, but we only had one spot left for the year, and that was at the end of March with Louis C.K., and I just was like, I know this is crazy, and no one's going to back me up here, but, and no one in my office backed me up. Everyone was like, this is crazy, but I was just like, I believe in it, and I think, you know, I think we should do this, and I thought Lauren was just going to be, I thought wherever I was in my career, there, I was kind of like, Lauren's going to say, okay, Lindsay, and he was like, and he kind of pushed back, and was like, well, is he going to be, like, he, he asked me a lot of questions, and I, and so much of me is like, is he, is, do you, are you 100% sure he's gonna be a star? Do you really think, are you romanticizing this idea? And he asked this really, and I was like, God, am I? And so I, I was like, let me take a day. I took a night, I started looking at my other options that could be on the show, and I was just like, this is so, if I pick somebody else at this point, it's so lame, because I don't believe in any of these options. No, 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 it's not like I was passing on Beyonce. I was like, they were like bands that were like, maybe had one hit on the radio or something at the time. And I was like, this, this is like, I'm gonna feel so lame picking a, a musical act that I don't really believe in to pass up this guy. And so I called him back the next day and I was like, yeah, I wanna do it. And I, and I did it and I was terrified for the next like three and a half weeks. I was just, 
pure panic. Nobody knew who he was. His single came out the day before the show started, the, sh- the day before the show. And, um, and there was, you know, I mean, I knew he would be a great performance. Um, and then cut to, you know, whatever, he won three Grammys that year. And it was, you know, it all was a real success. Six months later, it was like I was getting a lot of praise for it. But it was, a, I mean, that night, I remember just, I've never, I had never been more scared because there was only one person to point at. And it was like, usually you can kind of be like, oh, well, these groups wanted this guy. It was just me. It was like, and everyone was like, who is this guy? And I was just like, his name's Sam. <laughs> Don't we like him? We do, right? <laughs> I must have watched his performance like, I mean, like 50 times the next day. I was just like so taken by it. My daughter at the time was like two, and she like knows Sam, Sam Smith like the back of her hand. Any song, she's like, that's Sam Smith, that's this song, track number three. <laughs> um, but but it felt really, I mean, now it feels really good. It was really scary at the time. It's scary to make those decisions that are pure passion. Um, and they were, it was a thought through decision, but you know, it was like on the national level, I was so scared of like, well, what if he's just a huge flop and everybody thinks he's a loser? Like, um, but you told Will, you said, you know, in your life, you, you it comes down to who do you believe in and what do you want to be proud of? And, it is true. And you went I mean, to bat for somebody. You have to like, you have to make, I always say this to my office, like, I have like seven people who work for me, I'm not sure if that's right, but like, I always say to them like, you have to like, make a decision, like who are you going to fight for? You're not going to fight for everybody. Like each week when we discuss you know, my office, we all discuss like what our options are, and I love that I have um, seven people aged from 22 to 43 that we all discuss these options. And, you know, but when you really believe in somebody, that's when you push. Otherwise, you don't really, when it's just a regular week and you kind of like this act more than this act, that's not when you go crazy pushing for something, but when you really believe. And I've had some young people, like I, one of the girls in my office who's no longer there, she um, really pushed for Chance the Rapper. and. Um, with the first time we had Chance the Rapper on the show, and the at the same time we all of a sudden found out there was like a another musical act who could do it, and it kind of came down to you know Lauren saying like, well, what do you think, Lindsay? And I was like, let's let's try it. Let's you know it's exciting when you when you have people who are really passionate about things, and you kind of have to also like let the people who are who are helping you like give them the chance to like be passionate and be scared and excited about a thing that might go wrong, you know and. So we did that too. And with someone like Kristen or, or Sam, I mean, does that in a way, is that a crucible that all of a sudden you you have a relationship with them that is beyond that? Because they know you went to bat for them. Is that something that they know and they remember? And Oh yeah, both of them for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll have a, I mean, Kristen and I spent so much time together over the years and we still are such good friends. So like we'll, we'll have a lifelong bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing Sam. You know, Sam. Sam never forgets it. He's he's so sweet and appreciative, and and yeah, it, it definitely like kind of bonds you with somebody in a in a really sweet way. Um, we'll have this producers. What are they looking for today, and what is something that makes someone stand out in that audition process, and in when you're seeing stuff? And then I'm going to get to some questions from the audience. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's like such a different producers. What do we want? Um, I think it's like for me, I, I, I look for funny, I look for inventive, I look for something I haven't seen before. Like each summer we always make the joke of like, you can tell like, who's the person of the summer? Like it's like, you know, the summer of Amy Winehouse and we got a million Amy Winehouse impressions and there's the summer of, you know, like, it's like this, people do the same kind of characters, impressions and you, and when you see 10 of them, they're not special. So people who kind of think outside the box and, and are really creative and different, you know, they, it's kind of what you would think. Like, how do you stand out from a bunch of other comedy tapes? Um, 
strong writing for me is a really big thing. Strong writing is probably the biggest, like who can write a really good material. Um, and then, uh, and also who's not, like who has had live experience? Someone, it's always better to have people who have like been performers on stage, not just like digital, you know, not just like digital rats, like people who've like actually like been up here and, and, and performed live. It really helps for us. Um, before I get to the questions, Will has this future ambitions for yourself, film, live theater? Is there, I mean, I mean, SNL is like one of those phenomenal dream jobs. Yeah. I mean, is it just one of those things like you're, you know, you're a former boss at a certain point, you'll know like it's time to go to the next thing or? No, I mean, I, my, my job is so all encompassing right now that it's like I, and I get to do a lot of great stuff. I, you know, imagine someday I'll leave. I, I have the greatest job in New York, so I don't imagine like, you know, moving, unless all of a sudden I like, started to show with someone I loved, um, like a talent that I love, like if Kristen Wiig wanted to start a show or, you know, like someone like that, I might, maybe I'd go off and do something, but I can't imagine I'd stay in New York and not be at SNL. Um, but eventually, like I, my job is like, I have a very unique job. No one, it doesn't exist anywhere else, so I can't be like, I'm gonna go do my job over here. But all the skills are really translatable and Something I'll kind of help, I'll either help create something with someone or I'll create something on my own, or I'll just come down to the pit and maybe run some lessons. Please, yes, we need it, both here and in New York. Uh, well, let me ask you some questions because the good folks came out here tonight yes. and they're sharing their time with us as well. And I thank you very much for coming on out here tonight. Uh, I mean, it is to me, this is like, I mean, I love it too. It's an incredible opportunity. It just didn't happen. And, you know, it's a Carolina connection. I mean, that's the power of like, you know, being a Tar Heel and from Chapel Hill in this area. So thank you. But let me see with these questions. Question. Can I just ask a question yes. first? How many people are actual students? Okay, so there's, there's some students here. Cool. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, any tips for people going into comedy, specifically female comedians? We can make these short. I mean, don't have to, um, let, you know. I think tips, uh, tips for comedy is like you have to like ingrain yourself in comedy. Like you have to like, like the fact that you know there's a pit here is so incredible because that is like that is the world. If you want to really do, if you think you want to have a career in comedy, you need to just like invest yourself in like around comedians, take classes, do sketches. Hang out with them afterwards. Meet people who like, because like, then you'll meet someone who's like, I want to be a writer and I want to be a performer. And oh, I think I want to direct me. And then you make little shorts and like really just dedicate yourself to learning about comedy um, from people like like you guys and people who are, who are running the pit. Um, I think you can't, like, if you really want to have a job in comedy, you can't kind of half ass it. You can't just be like, well, I might just take a sketch class and see if I become an SNL writer. You know, like, I think it's one thing if you're like, I want to see if this is interesting to me, I think it's great. And I think, I think improv for, if everybody takes an improv class in life, I think we'd all be better at like business and, and handling each other. But if you really think you want to get into it, you have to dedicate yourself to it. And um, men, women, it doesn't really matter. It's just like, you can't, um, you can't kind of half do it. Yeah, you just, I mean, it's like, it's, there's not enough time in the day. Right. you know to work on all your golf clubs you know as a golfer would say right. so you just have to like continually do it. and that was part of the reason to come back it's like right now it's like either New York LA Chicago maybe Austin but I thought maybe Chapel Hill could be a place that in years to come someone could say well I got my first hundred times on stage in Chapel right. Hill this yeah. place called the pit yeah. and if we can provide that which people which we didn't have you know when I was here you know right. maybe that's you know maybe five ten years from now someone can say you know I started out at the old pit Chapel Hill 
What advice would you give to college students wanting to work in the entertainment industry post-grad? I would say, we said, my friend Chris and I said this morning, like, use your summers. Like, you know, you realize when you go to school in a place that's not a big city, like, you don't have access to these, like, big internships. Like, you know, like, the, the interns that are at SNL right now, they're all, like, Columbia, NYU students, and so they, like, have just, like, graduate with so many internships, and it, like, kind of, you know, you're trying to compete with those people. And so I would say, um, really kind of be creative. When I was a senior here, um, I, I worked at, uh, Michael Jordan had a restaurant called 23. I worked at the restaurant as a waitress. And then my senior year, I convinced them that they should pay me to be their like, head of marketing. And I just like made a job for myself. And I was like, you guys need help. And I was just, um, they're now out of business. <laughs> 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 I was a pro. Um, <laughs> But like that, like I knew that I couldn't get some like crazy. I got I worked at the United Way here, I, you know. But I wasn't going to be able to like I needed internships. I needed things in my resume that were like applicable to like what I was going to eventually do, or at least along somewhere like business related. And so I kind of I really got you have to get a little scrappy, especially in smaller towns, and be creative. And but you have to get internships to make yourself. Um, competitive when you graduate. You have to use your summers, you have to use your any time you can and you know because I remember my mom once in a while will send me something like oh this reminds me from Buffalo and this girl graduate and it'll be like she'll have just been a lifeguard and I'm like I can't send I can't help get this girl you know it's, it's hard it's hard you need something on there so I would say um, try I'd say you also you have to kind of move to New York or LA you know I mean Chicago maybe but like um, those are the best places. To, if you want to really get into entertainment, those are the best places to do it. And I moved to New York without a job, you know, and it was scary and really frightening. And um, but like I said before, like cold, e you can send cold emails to people. Um, what I, I said this this morning to some people, and I think this is really true. If you're gonna write an email, if you're gonna write emails to like professional people who you like admire, or like you're trying to get them to meet with you, informational interviews. Like, how you write that email is so important. And I remember one of the girls today was like, oh, I, you know, I always try and write about myself. I was like, no, no, don't write about yourself. Write about the person you're writing to. Because everybody likes to talk about themselves. Everybody likes to be like, oh, this person loves me. Like, so write about, like, say, like, I'm, you really inspire me. I would love to learn more. If you can't meet me, do you have someone who, could, who, who works with you who could meet with me? And, and like, like I said before, spend the time getting to know who this person is and, like, put a little moment in there that they know that you took the time to research them and... Um, I you know I kind of believe in that stuff. I like I said before I I I um, respond to those kind of uh, emails all the time. But you have to kind of be in those cities. It's really important if you really want to get into show business. I would say like do it right after school. And Kristen made a good point today. My friend Kristen she said don't be afraid of going in the back door of like if if um, an accounting an accounting job opens up at you know the Tonight Show. Who cares? It's the Tonight Show. You can then you get to meet people, and even though you don't want to be in accounting at the Tonight Show, you could then you know like you. It's, it's okay to maybe get in the place and then talk to people and try and move you right away. You want to be. This one, uh, they found out about the show because of my wife, so I'm going to ask this question. <laughs> when you became an associate producer in 2008, was something, i.e., talent or energy, you felt was missing from SNL that you wanted to add? What about currently as well? Um. No, I mean, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, we're missing this kind of, like, you can, you can sometimes guess, like, oh, well, 
we miss we we need like a manly like dad energy or we're missing like you know like uh, someone who can kind of play a bunch of you know the straight man or and you kind of sometimes know what you're looking for. I remember like a point um, in my early early two thousands, someone be like, oh, we're looking for the next Jimmy Fallon. Um, but again, you go into auditions and you're like, you know, it's always it's hard to be like, oh, that's exactly what we want, and they're the funniest person here. It doesn't always work like that. So. Um, one of the things that I've tried to impart as a producer on the show and as a social producer is like, is giving people feedback. We, I don't think our show has been that good about being like, okay, you're not doing this quite, you know, this is where you need to have improvement, this could be helpful if you do this, and I've been trying to give younger people feedback um, on their performance so they can like, just get better. And, and that wasn't, I know that seems like a thing that you would just always do, but we don't have like reviews at SNL. You don't have like official like company reviews. So like I've been trying to be better about like uh, doing that for the for this uh, the show. What was your most valuable summer experience while at Carolina? Is that the internship in New York? Yeah, I think it had to be just because I like lived in New York and I, you know, kind of had my first taste of show business and um, it kind of gave me it I remember having the moment of like my aunt was like, well, people don't work in show business. And I was like, and I just kind of thought, like, I had no reason to think I couldn't do it. You know, I was like, why not? Like, I think I can do this. Look at all these other people. And so it kind of just, it opened that as an option for me, that this was like a real job and people had careers in it. And I was like, I think I should just, I should pursue it. What is one of your favorite SNL memories? Like a moment in, that's like, wow, that was magical. One of them. What? Oh, the 40th, thank you. Um, yeah, the 40th anniversary, which we did in February of 2015, was the, the hardest professional thing I, I, will, I think I will ever do in my entire life. I was in charge of every, I, could, I mean, they, there was only four of us that Lauren really trusts. So he, when you give you up four people into like putting on a show that that's big, that's that big, it's just, I mean, I was in charge of like booking 90 people on the show, dealing with them, um, promos, photos, of throwing a party for a thousand people at the plaza, a red carpet. I'd never produced a red carpet, and it was just like it kept going. It kept and um, and so it was seating the audience, like just seating, you know, uh, five hundred celebrities that don't sit down. That alone, coming up with seating for people who have ego. It, it was just all of it. It was it was the hardest thing I've ever done, and it was it was so special that night, just like when it all started to like, it was going and it was done running around and I for sure just was like in the, I was in like full black tie and like silver sneakers. Like there was no, I tried for a second to wear high heels and then I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm gonna be running around all night. And, but it was just the most, I, I've never felt like I did that night. I felt so, um, I, felt, I felt so proud and I really felt like I was so crucial to that show and and it was, you know, it was a, it was a very special night. Cool. Let me just, I'll ask you just some fun questions at the end and we'll wrap this up. If you could only eat one food the rest of your life. Pizza. Specific oh. kind? Just pizza. Just pizza. That's what I was thinking, pizza. I love all pizza. Although I love fried and chicken pizza. as well. You know, I love that. I just noticed that on the corner of Franklin and the main, there's three, there's three pizza There's places. a pizza war going on in this town. There's a lot of pizza shops happening. Okay. Favorite ice cream? Good. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. <laughs> Favorite teacher in high school? Oh, I had um, a gym teacher named Peter Sugg that 
that I recently actually saw, he was just, he made everything. He made, he, he was happy to do his job and he made us all happy to be there. Well, thank you for coming tonight and making us happy to be here tonight. And Did I mean, I cover everything, guys? Everyone feel like you got You got everything? You guys feel like you got, you got some reason? Some people paid that, but I mean, but that's the amazing thing about like, you know, like today was just like one of those days on the site where it's like so many things are going awry and it's coming together, but sometimes it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but then you get to do something like this and it's like, maybe that's why I came back to Chapel Hill and then I'm here doing this and I hope someday this gets to be an actual going concern and it's open and it's a place for people to, you know, have that third place, a place to come and take classes, see shows, get stage time and be among like-minded folks where they can yeah. get together and, you know, start creating stuff. I would check out, I mean, when the pit is officially, like, open, open, I would, I would check it out. I, um, other, other piece of wisdom I would say is, like, um, I spent a lot of time just so focused on getting good grades and, like, you know, not really, like, especially for the students in, this, in the room, like, I wish I had, like, taken more time to, like, enjoy the resources of the university and the, and the town and places like the pit. I just was so, like, tunnel vision. And my, my GPA could have been, like, you know, a 3.0 and I still would have gotten my job. Like, it didn't matter really at the end of the day. Not to say you shouldn't study, because it's really <laughs> um, But, you know, I do think, like, I wish I could go back. I said to a senior today, we used to talk to us and seniors who were graduating, and I was like, take the next four weeks and just, like, be cool, have fun. Like, don't worry about the job. You're going to get a job. But, like, you know, you don't get back those four, but you don't get to go back to college like this. And, like, this town and this student body and this university have so much, so many awesome things to offer. And, like, you don't get access to that when you graduate. And it's just, uh, you know, if I could go back, that's definitely something I would say. Just like experience college and soaking up, you know, knowledge that is like, I'm curious about, not just knowledge of like this econ class I have to take. Um, so take it for what you love it. Thank you, Shookus, for coming out and sharing your story. Give it up for Lindsay Shookus, everybody. And Will Papua and Will Neville for helping us with this. Daryl. Good folks at the Cargo Arts Center and my wife Beth who had the idea to make this happen. Thank you, Beth. Come by and see us at the pit, y'all.